Have you ever tried to rush in a grocery store before? It's an unpleasant experience. I don't like to particularly, I don't particularly like to grocery shop, but I do. And uh, I remember this one time in particular where I actually wasn't grocery shopping, but I needed to stop at the grocery store. I was on my way to visit a family with, they, they have um, a large number of kids, and one of them was having a birthday that day, and I figured, you know what would be nice? I'm going to show up with like a treat, like maybe I'll give them some cupcakes or some cookies or something nice. I'm going to stop at the, at the store and just pick up a little sweet for the kids to enjoy because of the kid's birthday. And so it's in my plan to, um, to just stop at the store and just pop on in and pop on out with, uh, with a treat. And of course, as always, I'm, I'm already running a little bit late on my way to their house. Um, and, in addition to being a little bit late, the traffic is not cooperating like it needs to. And so I'm just getting just a little bit agitated because I'm trying to hurry and traffic is not um, what I wish it would be. And I'm planning in my head, okay, which store is going to be the most convenient to stop in on my way to their house? What's going to be the, the quickest option for me, the most strategic option? Um, and so, of course, I'm driving across town, and, and I figure, okay, well, I'm going to stop at Albertsons. And uh, at this particular Albertsons, um, it, it didn't seem very busy, so I just, I, I, you know, find a parking spot pretty close towards the entrance, somewhat, reasonably close. And I'm getting out of my car, and I'm walking uh, with a purpose in a direction to not be uh, distracted. You know, I'm not running. I don't want to look like a loser, but I'm almost running, and I'm kind of walking very intentionally, and I'm not wearing clerics, thank God, because people love to talk to a priest at the grocery store, but I'm not wearing clerics, so I'm going to be, just be very, um, very intentional about where I'm headed. And I, it turns out, I'm not used to this Albertsons, but that the bakery is way in the back. All right, well, we're going to just go straight towards the back and get just a, a little treat real quick. I noticed, though, on my way in that the lines at the register were not short. And so I was already kind of frustrated about that. So I finally get to the bakery. I, I look at the options, and I notice, perfect, an ice cream cake. It's going to be perfect. The kids are going to love it. I'm going to love it. It's going to be great. I'm just going to get an ice cream cake, and I'm going to head straight to the register now, which I know is long. And so I see there's three open registers. And from afar, I'm trying to analyze which one has the shortest. They're all three about equal. But which one is going to be the shortest and most efficient line to get in? And so I choose one, and I, I, I just put all my money into this perfect line here, hoping that it's going to be quick. Of course, it's not quick. The person at the cash register, I soon notice, is using coupons, Shouldn't be allowed, but they're using coupons. And then there's a discrepancy about the coupons. And then they have to talk about the discrepancy, and they have to call a manager. And meanwhile, I notice that the other lines are moving along, and more people are getting into those lines, and so I've already lost my chance to switch lines because now I'm going to lose even more time if I switch lines. And so I'm in this dilemma. My line's not moving, the other lines are, and I just wanted to pop in, pop out. And I'm getting more and more agitated. I'm starting to resent the person with the coupons. I'm starting to judge the speed with which the cash register 
uh, cashier is scanning the items, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, it's not that hard, just scan the items, and I'm being very, I'm being um, not at my best. And all of these things, maybe you've, you've been through something like this, suddenly in the scope of 30 minutes, I have been impatient, judgmental, prideful, irritable, selfish, just in a matter of 30 minutes. Wow. Not a good track record. We all have it in us. Sometimes we get a little impatient, a little little irritable, frustrated, selfish, prideful. And it comes out at times that we aren't particularly planning for. And today in the second reading, we we hear one of the most beautiful passages in St. Paul's letters. In fact, we probably have heard it before, and it's, it's one that is really common that, that we hear a lot at weddings. So if you've ever been at a wedding, chances are you probably heard this passage. St. Paul tells us that love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not pompous. Love is not inflated. It is not rude. It does not seek its own interest. Love is not quick-tempered. It does not brood over injury. Love does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Beautiful. Well, I want to unpack that a little bit today because... As beautiful as that is, that's something that can easily, we can just move past as a nice little poem. So St. Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthians, is writing in Greek. And in the English language, there is love, the word love, and it means a ton of different things. We use love for ice cream, our pets, our spouse, our children, God, everything. We just, we just apply love into all kinds of different directions. But in Greek, there's a number of different meanings, uh, a number of different words you could use for love. There's at least four that are pretty common. The first is storge, which is affectionate love, the kind of love that I have for my dog, Leo, or the kind of love that you might have for a cute kid that you see one of your friends has a little baby. It's adorable. And so you have this affectionate kind of love. The next is um, philia, which is that brotherly love, which is the, the um, friendship kind of love, the love that we have that typically two equals, people of two equal playing field would have for each other uh, in a friendship kind of connection. The third is eros, which is the erotic or romantic kind of love, which we know is a foundation for husbands and wives, for family life course, the foundation of society. This love is very important. And the fourth kind of love is agape love. This is the sacrificial kind of love, the unconditional kind of love, the kind of love that Jesus had on the cross when he died for you and me. This is the kind of love that God has for us. And St. Paul uses agape when he writes this letter. He doesn't use any of the other three options. When he says love is patient, he is saying agape is patient. And when he says patient, he's not talking necessarily about lines at a grocery store or uh, terrible drivers in Acadiana. 
What he's talking about is this endurance in suffering. That patience is this endurance with a good will when things are beyond your control and not going as you wish. This patience in suffering. That's uh, the true meaning of, of what um, the Greek word for patience that St. Paul uses in this letter. So agape is enduring and suffering. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. Again, kind, misleading in English. And we kind of water down kindness to just, you know, courtesy and being nice, which is not a bad thing. But uh, what St. Paul is meaning here is this extreme hospitality, this, this radical attentiveness to the other person, this going out of your way to make the other person feel like the most important person in the world, to make someone feel valued. That's kindness for St. Paul. Agape is not jealous. We talked about envy last week in the homily, but um, instead of uh, crying over what other people have that you don't, we rejoice over what other people have. Love is not rude. Love is not a bull in a china cabinet. Love is not, you know, um, just obscene and abrasive and obnoxious, but love is considerate. Love goes out of their way to articulate things in a way that is appropriate to be received for the other person. Love does not seek its own interest. We're all really selfish at the core, but love, agape, seeks the interest of the other before the interest of ourselves. Agape is not quick-tempered. It's not irritable. It's not frustrated. It's not annoyed all the time. You don't walk on eggshells around agape. Agape has self-control instead. Agape does not brood over injury. Agape doesn't keep score, doesn't keep tally, doesn't constantly compare, doesn't hold grudges, live in resentment. Instead, agape forgives, moves on. Agape does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. We don't celebrate sin. We don't celebrate worldly thinking. Instead, we rejoice in the truth of the gospel. We rejoice in the truth of Jesus Christ and the truth of what it means to be human, the human dignity that we all have and, and the truth of, of serving the common good. Agape bears all things, back to endurance. Agape believes all things, particularly believing the best in others. Agape hopes all things, doesn't spiral into despair, but instead hopes for a future knowing that God is provident. Agape endures all things. Back to patience. Agape is everlasting. It doesn't fade. Love never fails. So this is a high call. It's, we start to realize that agape is not an easy thing to live out. Agape is difficult. And we can really examine our own conscience. Maybe you've done this before by inserting your own name in this poem. Instead of saying love or agape, what we can do is insert our own name there, and we can start examining whether or not we live up to the image of agape before us. So what I'd like for us to do now is to, in your own head, 
very quietly, just say your name to yourself. And as I read this one more time, I'm going to say the word I, because that applies to all of us. And as I say I, just think of your name, and we're going to examine how well we measure up to agape. I am patient. I am kind. I am not jealous. I am not pompous. I am not inflated. I am not rude. I do not seek my own interest. I am not quick-tempered. I do not brood over injury. I do not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoice with the truth. I bear all things. I believe all things. I hope all things. I endure all things. If you're anything like me, you may have noticed that at least one, perhaps more than one of those statements was not as true as you wished. That we all have a little bit ways to go when it comes to being an image of agape. But the good news is that God is love, and Jesus is God. And so what we can really do here is insert Jesus' name, and it will be true. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not jealous, nor pompous, nor inflated, nor rude. Jesus does not seek his own interest. He's not quick-tempered, and he does not brood over injury. Jesus does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Jesus bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things, and he endures all things. Jesus is God. Jesus is agape. And he is a tangible image for us of what agape looks like. He serves not only as our model but as our source of agape in the world. And so if you find yourself lacking in this reading today, if you find yourself unable to live up to the high call of agape, the good news is that we have a God who loves us, who made himself tangible for us, and is now the source of agape in our life. That if we allow God to love us, if we receive this agape love, then we will be able to share it because we love because God loved us first with agape love. But there's usually plenty that holds us back from receiving the love of God. But if we would be so bold to have the courage to let God love us, to receive agape love in our life, imagine how much we could share with this world who so desperately needs it, a world so dark and discouraged, a world so divided and filled with hate, is longing, hungering for agape. 
And you and I can be that image. You and I can make it real. We can make it tangible. And as we let Jesus love us, suddenly we will start to notice that when we examine whether or not we are patient or kind, we will realize that we've come a long way. So what I want us to do today is whenever we receive the Eucharist, I want us to recognize that we are receiving agape. And this is the same agape that can transform our soul to be a living image of Jesus Christ for the world. Amen. Amen.